Hello and welcome to another episode of Fountain City Sports Media, a podcast made by Kansas City fans for Kansas City fans. My name's Armando, aka Hot Take Mondo, and I'm joined by my friend Reese, aka the Reese Incarnate Bach Lesnar. And today we're going to talk about the Sunday night football matchup of the century, Kansas City Chiefs versus the Tennessee Titans in a nail, unfortunate nail biter, and we'll definitely go into those details later. Um, but Reese... How are you doing before I steal the podcast and talk about my life? Well, I'm not doing too bad. Uh, I'm going to complain versus last year. You're just going like, to roll your eyes and reach through your screen and punch me in the face for me saying oh, this. Oh, that's what I wanted to talk about. That is what I... The, the things you're going to complain about is what I wanted to talk about. Anyway. Wait, what? I figured it out. Go ahead. Okay. Are we, talk, are, are we going to talk about your fantasy team? No, we're going to talk about my dog. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> no, so... I was just going to say it's been hard the last few days because the time change has got Bowie waking up an hour early because his circadian oh, rhythms. Right. He's like, I normally wake up at 6.30 p. Or, no, I, I wake up at 6.30 in the morning. But now with the time change and the class coming back, he's like, my 6.30 is now 5.30. Yeah. So I'm like getting up an hour earlier, which that's why you were going to reach the screen and punch me because I know that you have someone waking you up at all hours and not just 5.30 in the morning. So I am fine otherwise. Bowie went to the vet for like his eight month checkup. He has a clean bill of health. The uh, this is the best compliment you can get from your from from your doctor. So the vet we saw today was technically a sports and uh, what was it a sports and physical rehab specialist. And she's like for dogs for dogs for dogs. And she's like there's sports dog specialists. Yeah, I mean because you know the uh, in Kansas City. <laughs> I, I guess so. That's who was at my vet's office today because you know they have like agility. You've seen agility courses, right? Yeah, they have that. They have those competitions. where like dogs like run off the dock, you know, and like fly thirty meters through the air and all that stuff. So I guess that's what she was a specialist in. But anyway, so I was asking. I said, "Is my dog too fat?" You know, I'm like, we give him a lot of food. I don't know. <laughs> I was using the scientific method of weighing myself and then weighing Bowie in my arms on the scale. And at one point, I got, he got to the point that I'm like, yo, I'm a little worried that this is getting a little big for his age. Brought him in, and she, she she's like, she's like, oh no, he's he's very, she's very, he's very lithe. He can't see his ribs, but you can, you know, you can feel, which is what you want. She's like, he's actually got a very athletic build. And I'm like, yo, I'm like, the sports doctor saying my dog's got an athletic build tells me not only is he built different, but my dog has that dog in him. I was just about to say that. <laughs> you know what's up. <laughs> Dude, Bowie's, Bowie's got that dog in him. That's what I have to say. If you if you took a chest x-ray of Bowie, you're going to see a pit bull in that dog. <laughs> Dude, absolutely. And maybe maybe some dead squirrel, considering what I think he ate off the side of the road today. So. Oh, God. Dude, lean protein. It was lean because it was flattened. I tell you what. <laughs> Well, if you hear Reese leaving here and then from the podcast, you'll know why he's gone. Yep. He is picking up some stuff on his floor. Um, how are you doing? You know, I, I well, first of all, I'm not upset that you're complaining about your dog being up at all nights or all times of the night. I think we're going to hear a lot of Armando flubs today. We already have a lot of Armando flubs on the podcast pre-baby, but I have a feeling we're going to have a lot of flubs today. So stay with us, ladies and gentlemen. Yes, I had, um, well, my wife did. Both of us had a child on 10, 21, 22 at 9 p.m. So that was a couple weeks ago. I forget when we had our podcast, I think on Tuesday, and I'll just share a little bit of the story. My wife woke me up at like 2 a.m. and she was like, hey, I'm having frequent 
contractions. So this is our first child. And people kept telling us that, um, uh, that your first child is always late. And like when she was going to the doctor, the doctor kind of hinted at it as well. Like it kind of seemed like the baby was going to come late. So she woke me up around two and was like, hey, I'm having contractions. And I was like, ah, you're fine. Don't worry about it. Go back to bed. And then like 2.30, she's like, no, 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 no. Like these are real. And I tell you, man, like going from thinking you had 14 days of, you know, getting your life in order and thinking you can solve all your life's problems in 14 days to then in a split second, it's party time yep. was wild. I mean, like I hadn't even like, so we have a checklist of things we had to do. And of course, Logan did all the things that she had to do, but I had like, I haven't even put like toothpaste in my bag yet. <laughs> oh my god! So I was like, ah, gotta get everything ready. Yeah. Um, and it just like the rest of it was just a blur. I mean, it, I was talking. My wife and I were chatting about this like after the baby uh, was born. His name's Theodore, by the way. Theodore Miguel. We call him Theo. Nice. Um, after he was born, I mean, like she was in labor for almost i mean more than 12 hours but those 12 hours at least for me of course it probably went slower for her but i mean it was like a blink of an eye i mean just crazy crazy um but yeah thank god everything went well man we got a great baby um i'll tell you babies cry a lot news flash breaking news for no one that's a parent Babies cry a lot. <laughs> wow. Who could have guessed? Um, so, so like right now, like uh, what our doctor tells us is like when you feed a baby, one ounce is equivalent to one hour of sleep. So we're really trying to get a Theo to, to have like three ounces of formula um, in order for him to like sleep at least three hours at, uh, at a time. So like people that say, you know, when you're a new parent, you don't get any sleep. Well, yeah, if you go to bed at 8 p.m., the chances that you're going to get some at least six hours of sleep is likely. That's what I try to tell people. But no, things are great, man. I really, really enjoying it. It's such a such a privilege to be a father. Uh, Theo's great. It's really fun to just see like all the the different things that he's doing. Like his eyes are are start are finally starting to focus he's starting to see things um the way that he looks at you like every day is just different like one time like i had him in my arms then i went to the restroom came back and he already looked older to me like i'm like stop growing so yeah it's 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 a joy man it's a lot of fun not getting any sleep and i'm like you know me i'm an i'm a night owl and like i was just not prepared and reese is getting prepared once once that happens for you reese you're waking up three hours in the night anyway for bowie you're having to get up at 5 a.m i think you're gonna i think you're gonna be well when that time comes but for me dude i was like staying up till 1 a.m 2 a.m playing video games and just like those days are gone, 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 gone. Dude, I'm never having kids. I'm gonna be young forever. I'm gonna go out and smoke cigarettes. <laughs> Reese, is that you at Up Down for the fortieth night in a row? Yeah, brought my kid. It's a free country. He's not drinking. He's with me. <laughs> I almost, I almost beat Tekken. I'm almost there. Yeah, I'm teaching him the Konami code from a young age, so people don't think he's a poser. Left, right, left, left, right, left, right, left, left, right. Anyway, so that was so that was baby that was parent hour by Hot Tech Mondo. Um, wow. Speaking about parent hour, let me let me school our chat right now, Reese. Let me let me Uh-oh. parent our our fantasy football chat. So <clears throat> let me let me preface this. 
Now, of course, I have to be kind because these are our investors. And I guess just did, just did your investors pod. So again, Nebraska, yep. just one of my favorite places in the world. But at the same Good. time, I am known to make some risque trades in our fantasy football league. Because in fantasy football, and I've talked about this before, it's no it's no surprise. You got to be ruthless if you're going to win, right? You got to be gutsy yep. when you make those trades, and you got to be able to take the scrutiny if you decide to make a trade that maybe one side is it might win that trade, right? And people might agree with it. So I'm known to do that. But I am also known to um, to get a lot of flack for the trades that I make. So here I am teaching my students, having a great time. I go on my fantasy football app. Well, actually, no, I'm just, my phone's next to me. And I see the, like the clicker, the notification that a trade was made. And I see Joel and David make a trade. And I go, okay, well, you know, David's one of those guys that calls me out on trades that maybe aren't fair. So I was like, this is probably a fair trade. This is, you know, just like fair trade copy. This is a fair trade. Let me read the trade that happened, Reese. Joel trades Ramondre Stevenson, Deontay Johnson, Debo Samuel, and TJ Hawkinson for the following. Justin Jefferson. Okay, cool. Yeah, fine. Evan Ingram. I forgot was in the league, by the way. CEH, who, if you listen to this podcast, you know what our evaluation is of his and what your evaluation is. We don't even have to tell you our evaluation. You already you already have your own opinions on him and Aaron Jones. Okay. Are you kidding me, Reese? Are you kidding me? This is is the same guy, David. I'm, I'm calling you out, David. You're the same guy that posts the trades that I make to you to the chat to be scrutinized. And then you go and make this fleeced trade, this Armando-like trade that has been scrutinized in the in, in our fantasy chat. You know, I will say game respects game. Greatness respects greatness. So I see what you're doing, Mr. David over there, because I would do the same thing. Look. I've tried to do the same thing with you, but if I'm going to be called out, so will you. This trade is a sham. It's a fleece. I vetoed it along with one other person. Um, Actually, he doesn't care because he already said it. Alex, the Russian Nikolenko, also the rad Russian Nikolenko, um, also agrees with me and vetoed this trade as well. Reese, you did not veto this trade, but what are your thoughts on Stevenson, Johnson, Samuel Hawkinson for Ingram, Jefferson, Jones, CH. Well, I mean, it's not too dissimilar from the Jonathan Taylor Thomas trade I made earlier in the year in the sake of like, I was giving up. Well, I mean, in the sake of like, I was giving up the best player in that deal for two lesser parts that I thought those two lesser parts were greater than Jonathan Taylor Thomas. And I mean, I also got, you know, he got someone else in there too. So I thought it was a fair trade. Ultimately, I think we broke it down here. It's like Joel is getting better at oh, man. Joel's obviously getting better at wide receiver one because he got Justin Jefferson, agreed, agreed. Know, fourth best wide receiver in the league, and he's like slightly getting better at running back. Well, no, he's he's better at like running back two with Aaron Jones, but like he's taking a Maybe. huge downgrade at tight end. 
Yeah, huge town grade with Evan Ingram. Uh, CEH honestly is a dead asset. I mean, he's. I mean, he'd be running back depth in case your running back got injured or someone like all your dudes are on a bye. But like David gets better at running back one because Ramondre is like the fifth running back in our league right now. Uh, uh, he's he running gets- back eight. But again, as I've talked about in the chat, Damian Harris got injured only three weeks ago. And I don't know the math. I haven't done it. I'm sure Sam has the math somewhere. But it's safe to say Ramondre Stevenson was not running back eight pre Damian Harris injury. And the fact that he's jumped from wherever he was already to running back eight is huge. Continue. Yeah, uh, he's obviously getting better at tight end, going from Evan Ingram to TJ Hawkinson, Jeez, who's going to be reborn and has been reborn already on the Minnesota Vikings. Better offense, properly analyzed. Uh, he, he arguably improves at flex with Deontay Johnson, and he is downgraded at wide receiver one, I guess, with Debo Samuel. But, I mean, he still has DeAndre Hopkins, who is probably going to be a top five wide receiver by season's end. Yep. And, I mean, going, going from... I don't know, going from Justin Jefferson to, to Debo Samuel is a downgrade in the sense that, like, JTT was to Joe Mixon. You know, it, it is a downgrade, but it's not like you're hurting too bad from that. So, in my opinion, in this trade, if Joel believes that the moves he made in getting Justin Jefferson as, like, a de facto wide receiver one on his team is just what he needed, then so be it. I don't think he's getting absolutely fleeced on this deal, uh, but I think David is definitely winning this deal and quite possibly this league. Right. So your argument for not vetoing is that he's getting Jeff Justin Jefferson and that amounts to something no matter what he gives up is basically your, what you're saying. If that's how he sees it, then I'm not going to stop him because he is yeah. he is getting he's getting too good of a piece in that package to say he's getting fleeced. Right. If Jefferson was not in that package, if that was just about any other wide receiver, even like Tyreek Hill, he's getting fleeced. Yeah. Again, like I okay, maybe maybe it's just personal, but it's not personal because Alex also agrees with me. Is that you have to consider what these players are doing at a particular time, and you mm-hmm. and yes, you gamble. But that is what happens the week before is a precursor that was going to happen in the future. So just because Aaron Jones was having a great time in the beginning of the season doesn't mean that's going to correlate for the rest of the season, especially when the Packers lose to the worst offense in the NFL right now. They lost to the Lions, which was the worst defense in the NFL. Sorry, I said offense Um, in theory. That should have been Aaron Jones's best game. It should have been Aaron Rodgers' best game, but it was not. It, it was not only that, Reese, but now we also are hearing that Aaron Jones might not even play this week because he has suffered an ankle injury. So you're getting an Aaron Jones that is quote unquote RB. I don't even if you forget. I forget what um, he's RB ten. Cool, he's RB10, but again, he had 5.5 fantasy points against the worst defense in the NFL, and he also suffered an injury that might jeopardize his future. You have to weigh that more than what had happened in the past when it was sunshine and roses for the Green Bay Packers. Also, David is a big Green Bay Packers fan. You think it's a red flag when a when a Green Bay path pan, pan, oh my goodness, when a Green Bay Packers fan trades one of his players one of his prominent players on his team 
Like that is a red flag if I am the receiving end of that, right? Like like if I'm a if I'm a Chiefs fan and I'm trading with a Bills fan and I have traded Juju Smith-Schuster, I probably know more about Juju Smith-Schuster than the person that I'm trading him for. You know what I mean? So it's a big yep. red flag when a Packers fan sends you another Packer. So that's point yeah. number one. That's not even point number one. It's just it's just an obvious thing. Then you have Evan Ingram, who is still somehow in this league. Let's see how Evan Ingram's doing. Do do ba do 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 do. Last week, one reception for eight yards for a total of one point three fantasy points. Cool. And you just traded TJ Hawkinson, who had more than 10 points with the Minnesota Vikings, who haven't even fully integrated him into the offense. Are you kidding me? And TJ Hawkinson is tight end number five in a position where tight ends are very scarce, right? Even though Evan Ingram is tight end 10, that doesn't mean much in a in a scarce field. You know what I mean? So you yep. trade him. And again, the reason why people were calling me out on what I was doing, because I was doing three for one trades. I was giving you three players for a very good player. Yet no one's talking about this one for one for one for one trade that's happening right now. If if David would have given um, Joel, if he would have said, OK, look. Ramondre Stevenson may be a top five, a top th- three to top five running back. I'll meet you halfway. I'll give you JJ and I'll throw in CEH for Ramondre. I would have been fine. Even just JJ for for Ramondre Stevenson. Again, Justin Jefferson's has a touchdown in the first week and last week. And that's it. And that's it. So I think it's a fair trade just Ramondre for JJ. And if I was Joel, I would have stood my ground and said, that's what I want. Take it or leave it. If you have sought me out because Ramondre is the best one that I know you've been keeping track of him. I know, you know, he's better than RB eight. I know, you know, that he is going to stunk up and he is absolutely stunking up. So anyway, I'm sorry, Joel got fleeced. But like you said, I'll meet you halfway. Joel likes Justin Jefferson. He he has other pieces that are going to work in those other players stead. He just gave up way too much, man. Like, I guarantee at the end of the year, you're going to be dropping Evan Ingram and you're going to be dropping CEH. And you'll probably have Aaron Jones as your flex, maybe, if this Packers team comes back. And is there any indication they're going to come back? And not that I see. Not after Aaron Rodgers' press conference where he said, we played like crap, but you know what? I gave it my all. As opposed to Josh Allen, who also didn't play well, but Josh Allen was like, I was awful, and I want to be better. Aaron Rodgers was like, I did all I could. I did everything I could. Yes, we were bad, but you know what? I did a good job. What tells you that that Packers team is going to be any better? Anyway, I'm, I am furious, Reese. Furious. I can tell that you're furious. I can tell that you're furious. Uh, I mean, just looking a little more into this trade, it's like TJ Hawkinson's already a top five tight end who's probably going to be top three by season's end. You're probably going to have Kelsey, Mark Andrews. Uh, I don't know if Kittle's going to be three. Who would be three? Uh, yeah, because Darren Waller is not doing well either. 
Uh, probably probably Dallas Goddard just had a good game. I mean, maybe. oh, Dallas Goddard is probably. But three. again, okay, so the, he, but look, the, the 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 fact that we can't think of three right away is a problem. That tells you, right? Like, yeah. like that means Evan Ingram at tight end ten. Who cares? <laughs> yep. But I mean, Hot could be. He'll be fighting with Goddard for that third spot probably uh, i think uh, uh, look the, the vikings are now a good team apparently don't quote me because i know sam's just gonna fanboy that i said that um but also they're a very good fantasy friendly team they throw the ball they try to get points right like they have a lot of fantasy friendly players and tj is no exception to that well, and the thing is, too, with, with like Debo, it's like I know Debo's probably not going to get the high highs of Jefferson. But he's going to cook, subdu- man. Yeah, he, he like his floor is 10 points. Like you're getting an auto 10 points with Debo. And I mean, for, for someone like me, I mean, I'll say this right now with my team. And you can call out on me more later if you want. Like my team would kill for somebody who is an auto 10. Even someone like Mike Evans, it's like, guess what? Mike Evans is either putting up like 28 points or he's putting up four because he's a schmuck. Right. Right, absolutely. And and also the, the, the 49ers are coming off of a bye, right? So like they've had time to integrate um, Christian McCaffrey and try to utilize both Debo and Christian McCaffrey together. Like they have time now to figure all these things out. Debo is still going to get targets, right? Debo is getting six to 10 targets without Christian McCaffrey, right? So like even oh, yeah. if there is a downgrade there, four to five targets is still pretty good and he's still going to see some action in the running game and still see some sort of like screen plays or whatever um he's still fantasy relevant i mean yes there's a downgrade there but there is still relevancy there at least wide receiver two i mean come on and sorry i I know people are confused when i say things like that i mean on your team right he's not the second best wide receiver but on your team he's a wide receiver too yeah i mean the fact that you got, you got DeAndre Hopkins as your wide receiver one and then Debo as like your second. Well, oh my gosh, please. And yes. and even and this is and to, to put a, a button on it for me, you can keep talking about if you want, Reese. But even Deontay Johnson, who our, our friend uh, Sam Esquire Jr. said that Deontay for CH is a wash. Come on. Come on, man. If you look at that Steelers offense, they are not utilizing Najee Harris at all all they need to be throwing the ball because they're going to be behind in every game the Steelers are not good this year and when a team is not good they have to throw the ball look at the Detroit Lions the Detroit Lions are always coming from behind so they are fantasy relevant you see that with Amon Ron St. Brown you see it with DeAndre Swift you see it with Jamal Williams that is a fantasy friendly offense and so is the Steelers when you got a guy like Deontay Johnson sure maybe George Pick Pickens is going to be better than him for one game, but they're going to be behind. They're going to have to throw the ball. They're not even giving the ball to Najee Harris anymore. I mean, we Reese and I don't have to justify why CH is droppable. CH is droppable. And if you listen to this podcast or you watch Kansas City Chiefs football, you know why. And we're going to talk about that later, I'm sure. Yeah, I'm just going to say last Last thing I'll say is like you go through the players, uh, you know, Ramondre Stevenson, huge upside, Deontay Johnson, <laughs> decent upside, Debo Samuel, obvious upside, TJ Hawkinson, pretty good upside. Uh, going through the other ways, you know, obviously Justin Jefferson, say no more, Aaron Jones, yeah, there's upside, Evan Ingram, Clyde Edwards, Alaire, there's no upside. Yeah, no upside, uh, not a great trade, but oh well. But 
Quoting my own book of Fountain Fantasy Ten Commandments, thou shalt not veto the trade just because you do not want the trade to happen. Considering Justin Jefferson is in this mix, I cannot veto this trade because David is losing something, even if he's bolstering Whatever. his team. Whatever. Okay, um, let's put a button on that. I have some breaking news, Reese, or I have some um, foots on the ground. I have a, I have a special guest for us today. Uh-huh. Logan, come, come, come say hi. Oh, okay. In that, that case, yes, please. Logan can be a special guest. Yeah. <laughs> I'll, I'll get you the Reese's Puffs, but why don't you why don't you just tell us about Theo and just say hi and say how things are going. Reese can hear Dude, you. I, thought, I, told, I totally thought... Hey, what's up? Hey, how are you doing, Mom? We're, we're doing it. I accidentally just bumped um his bassinet and i thought he was gonna Aww. wake up but he didn't so we're in the clear oh dude that's good is he a hard sleeper um he's a hard sleeper during the day and then at night it's like anything can wake him up so that's just not cool <laughs> oh dude you got to get his circadian rhythm on on fleek you know or whatever no the kids milk. are saying these days no no uh Dude. yeah we're we're getting there we we gave him a bath tonight and like did that uh -huh. stuff so i'll see if that kind of helps but he's Aww. he's getting what, better and i feel like he's gonna get better and then it's gonna get really bad for a while but tbd yeah <laughs> that's fair that's fair how's how's nelly doing with him um it depends on the day. Most of the time she's like really protective of him. But really? then she gets like super jealous because she's used <laughs> to being the baby and having all the attention. So she, she's a little up and down, but like she lays next to him and she'll like check on him if he's crying or she'll come and get me like, lady, mm. come help. But oh, yeah, yeah. Any any advice you want to tell our viewers if they're going to be first parents? Me? Yeah, because you're a first parent. Oh, new, that's yeah, true. For newborn parents, or not newborn parents, but first-time parents. What's um, what's advice after two weeks? I mean, just roll with it. Take a breath. Roll with it. Don't don't cool. freak out. Make sure you give the dog attention. As I hear, dude. Yeah, as she comes good. down the stairs. <laughs> All right, that was dude, that Nelly's, was mother Nelly's hour with, with Logan. Thanks, Logan. Bye -bye. Enjoy enjoy your Reese's poofs. I have to eat them very quietly. <laughs> yeah, to wake up the baby. <laughs> Dude, Reese's Puffs. I actually almost got some today at the grocery store, but instead I went with cinnamon toast crunch. In order for us to afford more Reese's Puffs, Reese, how can one donate to Patreon so that not to buy more diapers, but to buy more Reese's Puffs? To support the Reese's Puffs Fund of 2022, we need your help. Super pack for Super Puffs by going to patreon.com backslash FCS. Very, very, very timely to say Super Pack. Oh, yeah, sorry. Super Tuesday. Uh, go to patreon.com backslash FCSM where you can find bonus episodes, exclusive beer reviews, and mini series, including our latest Speedy and Angry, in which Alex, the rad Russian Nikolenko, and I just went back and recorded. Uh, in the timeline, uh, Fast and Furious Tokyo Drift. So essentially the seventh film canonically in the series. So 
we're moving right along man we're recording those episodes all right yeah make sure you check out those episodes thank you for following us thank you to all our investors especially our nebraska nebraska contingent we we love nebraska all hail nebraska yeah yeah dude i don't i don't know where we'd be without warren buffett i'm so glad he listens (laughs) to this podcast if we if we actually had a warren buffett like give us money would would we even be doing the podcast like how would we even like like say if Warren Buffett just gave us a, like twenty million dollars. Oh my gosh! Like what? What would uh, we even do? Uh, if Warren Buffett gave us twenty million dollars, would probably both buy a house in Boulder, <laughs> uh, and with the remaining fifteen dollars, we would go to Taco Bell. <laughs> but still have the like same equipment. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Like, How's that for the parable of still, the talent? Still like scrapping on Instagram and like <laughs> <laughs> following hey, how, all these how many, people that are robots, but like it just works. <laughs> how much paid reach can I get on this Instagram ad for seven fifty? <laughs> still memes with like four pixels in it. <laughs> yeah. Oh, uh, that's uh. funny. Yeah. Okay. So thank you for your patronage, everyone. Uh, let's get let's get right into it. I mean, not that we're getting right into it all, but uh, we just talked a lot. Um, but let's get into the game, man. So the Chiefs beat the Titans in a brutal game, man. We'll we'll talk about that. But the Chiefs win twenty to seventeen in overtime against the next Josh Allen, Malik Willis, and the Tennessee Titans. Um, why don't we talk about the good stuff first? We'll go on our break, and then we'll talk about the things that Kansas City needs to fix. Uh, why don't we start with Patrick Mahomes again, the boy wonder always saving our behinds, man, that offense was not working on Sunday night. I mean, I, we, you and I can dissect what happens particularly, but let's talk about the good stuff. First, like I said, things weren't working. Patrick Mahomes was being sacked left and right. He could not get the ball out. Um, it, it, it was, well, I guess I'm talking about all the bad stuff, but anyway, He persevered, and finally Patrick Mahomes starts to use his legs. When he sees the rush coming and everyone's playing man, he he finds the grass. He finds the places that no one is at because no one was playing zone. They can play a man when you're rushing three and get into Patrick Mahomes. And finally, he uses his his legs. He leads Kansas City in rushing yards. I think it was, let me just look at it really quick. I believe it was 65 yards, but let me make sure it was such... Do, 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 63. Do, 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 do. Three, two, one. Patrick Mahomes leads the Kansas City Chiefs with 63 yards after everyone else was absolutely abysmal. But he always finds a way, man. I'm telling you, being a Kansas City Chiefs fan is like watching a Disney movie every single week. Things are great. I'm feeling euphoric when we start the Disney movie. Then there's a conflict in the Disney movie, and it looks like we cannot surpass it. I start to get depressed. It's like Toy Story 3 when the when, when the claw starts coming or when like everyone thinks that they're going to die at the end of Toy Story 3. Have you seen Toy Story 3? It's pretty emotionally heavy. Yeah, I remember Toy Story 3. I still think the GOAT film in that franchise is Toy Story 2. Oh, totally. Yeah, I also agree with Toy Story 2. But like in Toy Story 3, they're all about to die, and they're holding each other's hands, and they're like, this is it, and then they get saved. That's what Kansas City Chiefs football feels like, where you just feel like, oh my gosh, we're about to lose to Malik Willis. We're about to lose the Tennessee Titans. the season's over, not that I thought that, but Patrick Mahomes always finds a way 
way, whether it's with his legs or with his arm. And man, he came in there and we won in historical Disney movie fashion. So kudos to Patrick Mahomes for just being calm and collective and finding a way to win and finding a way to like beat a pretty good defense. I'd say it wasn't a bad defense. It was just it was a good defense. Pretty, pretty good. What do you think, Reese? Yeah, Patrick Mahomes definitely won this game for us, considering the fact he threw the ball 68 times. Oh my gosh, that has to be a record for Patrick Mahomes. I didn't see, but it has to be a record. Well, I I think I read, wasn't he something like only two off of like the single game NFL attempt record? 70 70 attempts is the most. So it has to be a Patrick Mahomes record at least. I mean, he still completed 43 of them. So I mean, for all things considered, that's like a 66% completion percentage. Yeah, still good. Uh, Only one. He had uh, one touchdown of the day, one interception. The interception was not his fault. Yeah, uh, the case pass. of the uh, tip drill with the usually sure-handed Travis Kelsey happened. Uh, but one thing I want to talk about here, uh, do you think that Mike Vrabel was having PTSD as Patrick Mahomes goes on another like jukey, improbable <laughs> 25-yard touchdown run to put the dagger in the game? In, in the fantasy chat, I put twice when, when we saw both the huge runs, that 25-yard run and then the other one for the mm-hmm. touchdown. I said, hmm, I've seen this one before, and I was trying to find the video. And even, even Patrick Mahomes breaking tackles – was oh, yeah. it was mm-hmm. almost and, and I I have to go back to the video, but I'm almost positive it was a broken spin tackle that Patrick Mahomes did. Oh yeah, Vrabel, and you can even see Vrabel on the sideline, super pissed. And boy, do we not like Vrabel. You can even say we were Vra- talking about uh, in the chat if you want to. <laughs> Vrabel's a moron, dude. He really is. Well, this, isn't, this isn't about Vrabel right now. This isn't about Vrabel. It's about Patrick Mahomes. Uh, I, I do have to ask you though. So Mitchell Schwartz came on 610 Sports Radio. He had an interview with Carrington Harrison. And uh, he was mentioning how, analytically speaking, uh, the NFL's best rushing attack isn't as efficient as the NFL's worst passing attack. To which, I know he played football, but again, you know me. I'm not like completely throwing away analytics, but I'm just like... That's like the absolute black and white of analytics that people see that and they go, oh, this means that just like pass as much as you can. And it's like... No, because in this instance, you had that. You had 68 passing attempts to what were, let's see, we ran uh, 12, 12 running plays, it looks like. Uh, and, you know, look where it got us. You know, it got us an overtime win by three against a running team. So it's obviously not as cut and dry as that. Uh, that being said, what do you make of our running attack right now? What Can you diagnose this for us? I'd be curious to see why you think our running attack is so anemic. I mean, we were supposed to talk about good things, but now forget it, man. Abysmal. Our running game is absolutely abysmal. CH, four carries for five yards. Isaiah Pacheco, five carries for five yards. Jared McKinnon, three carries for four yards. Absolutely abysmal. So we have CH doing the same things that he does every single week. Yes, in the beginning of the year, we were fleeced by CH, just like we are actually every single season. The beginning of the year, we have streaks or strokes of genius from CH. He gets in the end zone, he gets the goal line work, and everything's great. And then towards the end, towards the middle and the end of the season, it's either he's thinking too much or that that defenses are finally figuring out CH. But he never he never exceeds. He always he always has a good beginning of the year and then things don't go well. And 
Isaiah Pacheco did make some mistakes on Sunday, but he's also just not getting enough reps to really like to really make it. You know, again, Isaiah Pacheco, a six round pick. You have to give him time, but you also have to give him reps and experience. And this seemed like the game to do it when we were playing against Malik Willis, but you only let him carry the ball five times. Yes, he didn't produce, but still, you you, you got to take the training wheels off and we got to see what we have. Because if if we're in the playoffs and Patrick Mahomes is throwing 68 times and we only put up 20 points, we're losing. If it, If we're in the first round and we're playing the New York Jets, Reese... We play the New York Jets and Patrick Mahomes has to throw 60 times because we're not getting the running game going. We're losing to the New York Jets. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, but running game abysmal. I think the biggest problem is kind of like you said, you have to feed one of the running backs. I think now I wouldn't say Clyde, but even if you fed like Pacheco or McKinnon, you're just like, you know what? You're going to get all of the carries this game. So let's see here. We had 9, 12, 13 designed run plays. I'm not counting Mahomes' six scrambles. So we had 13 designed run plays, and they were distributed almost evenly across the board. Pacheco, 5, CEH, 4, McKinnon, 3, and 1 to Michael Burton, the fullback. I don't understand why they feel the need to disperse such a small amount of carries over multiple running backs, because it's not like yeah, any of them are getting no tired. Sense. No sense. Yeah, it makes no sense whatsoever. And like Pacheco, I think, carried the ball twice in the first quarter, one of which uh, got called back. It was a big 15-yard run, which was great for him. But, you know, it's like just feed one of them and and just give them the carries. Let them establish a rhythm because that's the only way they're going to get going. You're not doing anyone any favors. Like Pacheco carries the ball two times. All right, now CEH gets the next three carries. All right, McKinnon's in for two carries. All right, one more for Pacheco. The only team I've seen a three running back system work with in like the last maybe ever is probably that 2020 Super Bowl 49ers team back when they had what was like Mostert, Coleman, and Debo. But when you look at it, the way they were running their offense, we're running way too many between the run tackles plays, which is not working primarily because our offensive line begins and ends with the absolute deficiencies at offensive tackle. I don't know why we're not running more to the edges, running more end arounds, jet sweeps. That's what Kyle Shanahan did with that 49ers team that had three backs, is that all the running plays were very unique, and they were very particular plays. We're going to run a pitch play here where everyone's going to spread all of their blockers out, you know, like three yards between each other. It was none of this, like, halfback slam up the gut bull crap. Dude, Pacheco is a speed back. Use him like a speed back. CEH runs like a 4-8-40. Stop having CEH run plays where he's trying to get to the corner. Jarek McKinnon, good when he's able to find space and shake, guys. Jarek McKinnon is not a between-the-tackles runner. So I don't know why they're not tailoring our offense to the pieces they have and just whittling down the pieces they're going to use. Another uh, all great things. I have nothing to argue. All agreeing with it. Um, but one other thing to add to that, another reason why a Shanahan offense works is because Mostert, Jeff Wilson, uh, Tevin Coleman, um, I think you mentioned another guy, all these guys are also um, pass-catching running backs. They are all utilized in the pass-catching game, and our guys are not being used. CEH targeted twice. Isaiah Pacheco targeted once. 
Jared, actually, Jared McKinnon was targeted a few times, but we have to, if CH is this guy, right? We have him on our team right now. <laughs> like, yes, we don't like CH, but we also can't neglect him. Like, like, let's see what he can do as a, as a, as a pass We've catching back. We've seen what he can do. I mean, this, it's well, like, it's almost, have we really seen him as a pass catching back? The things that you don't like about him, Reese, is that he can't run in between the tackles and that he can't run left to right. But like if we utilize him in the screen game, if we use utilize him as like a faux slant or sorry, a faux slot position sometimes, I really think it might work at least at least to put the defensive on their feet. Because if the defense says Patrick Mahomes is going to throw 70 times. And it's not going to be to anybody that's a, a running back. Then I'm I'm just going to play man because I can I can beat these guys. Also, we'll talk about how Travis Kelsey was held every every freaking play. Oh, but we'll get into that. If in a I second. can play man and I can rush three, what what do I care about your running game? So if we can utilize well, them not only in the running game but on screen plays, right, putting them left to right, I really think that opens up the offense. We're just we're not utilizing it. So there's video of last year's training camp going around of Pacheco, sorry, of CEH being guarded one-on-one by Ben Neiman. He is unable to shake Ben Neiman running his route. Just he, he can't outrun him. That's not good. Ben Neiman can stay with him. And if he can't outrun Ben Neiman, how is he supposed to outrun Matt Milano? How is he supposed to outrun all the other great linebackers in the NFL if he can't outrun Ben Neiman? And I think that's his biggest problem as even a pass catcher. Okay, let's say he has above average hands to even good hands for a running back, hypothetically. It doesn't matter if you your five foot eight slow guy can't get open or get any separation. You're not going to throw it to him. Yeah, that's fair. That, but but that's why that I would like to see him more in the McCole Hardman role. Like McColl is 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 being put in places where he's getting great blocking, right? Like he's he's in the screen game where you are seeing those sets. Where Ceh, like we just don't like. I would just like to see him with with blocks. But maybe you're right. Maybe he's not even. Maybe in the screen game he's not even seeing the blocks, which would also be suspect. And just not only should Joel drop him, but the Kansas City Chiefs should drop him. I think let's just say about Ceh because this is, this podcast isn't about him. <laughs> I saw it said once that if a play, if your play is executed perfectly with your blocking, CEH will get 12 to 14 yards. If a play is executed with your blocking perfectly for an average running back, they're taking that to the house. Oh, uh, which is why they would. Okay. All right. Fine. I'll meet you halfway there and say that we would rather have McCole Hardman than in that situation because he's going to take it to the house. Or yeah, Pacheco but again, with his speed. Again, like if I'm the Kansas City Chiefs, then. Is the CEH project over then? Because now I'm using him as a detriment to Isaiah Pacheco because I'm saying, okay, well, you're up on the depth chart. We've used a first round pick for you. Sorry, dude. We just got to see if if you're rolling. But then if we don't use you, CEH, we also can't use Isaiah Pacheco because we can't show Isaiah that you're eventually going to be number one on, on the depth chart. And that's kind of what it's looking like. Like if they don't use CEH, that means they're not going to use Isaiah. But if you're not going to use CH, use Isaiah. Give him the reps, man. Like, apparently, yep. the Chiefs have the second best, if not the best, remaining schedule, if I'm correct. Um, In terms of difficulty? Yeah. 
I think they have the second easiest schedule going forward. If, oh, it's the easiest. Yeah, now. yeah, yeah. Because of, I mean, it used to be the hardest, but now because Chargers suck, Raiders suck. Like we have a lot of those. Broncos suck, right? We haven't even played. Wait, sorry, we did play the Broncos. No, we haven't played Broncos. Have played yet, the Broncos yet? So we still have to play them twice. So because we have one of the easiest schedules in the NFL. That is when you start to play. That is when you start to experiment and say, can we get the Isaiah Pacheco experiment happening now? Because we can't wait until the playoffs. You can do that with Jared McKinnon because Jared McKinnon was experienced. He was ready to go. Isaiah Pacheco, we still need to take the training wheels off and the time is now. All I'm going to end on is the fact that, like I said, if you're going to throw the ball 68 times and you're only running 13 times and that only nets you 20 points, then that tells me you have to find a way to open up the passing game more because this was another instance of rushing four and dropping seven back into coverage. And that's going to be the new Tampa too, yep. is just can we get a pass rush by abusing our turnstile tackles with four people and just dropping everybody else back into coverage. Luckily, Reese, we're starting to see some trends. Before we talk about that trend, though, let's talk about the stalwart. In his worst game, Travis Kelsey still has 10 receptions for 106 yards, with but with two cataclysmic drops, which we, uh, mm-hmm. which we talked about in the chat. I mean, and Travis knows, right? Travis, like, threw his helmet, was absolutely furious. He's the only guy that I say, I know he's not going to do that again. At least, and if he does it again, like he's he's really going to be like hitting the weight room and trying to fix those things. Like I trust him. Fine, two flukes, Travis Kelsey. Even, but again, even in his worst game, he still targeted seventeen times and still has one hundred and six yards. The more interesting thing, and you can talk about Travis if you'd like, but the more interesting is that we're seeing a lot of Juju now. Juju, not that Juju's mm-hmm. becoming the go-to guy, but Juju had twelve targets, ten receptions, and eighty-eight yards. And really kind of saved our butt in that fourth quarter to kind of get us to tie that game. Um, do you see any trends like I do? Do you do you think it's it's now Juju's time on this offense? Yeah, Juju Smith-Schuster is, I think, the definitive wide receiver one on this team now. He's coming in clutch. As I've said before on the podcast, we always lacked a third and six guy who's going to get you seven yards. Juju's going to get you seven yards and then turn it upfield for another ten. I think uh, we're playing an offense that really fits his skill set as that big-bodied receiver that can go across the field and isn't afraid to get hit. Whereas in the past, you know, we've been running out Byron Pringle, Demarcus Robinson, guys who aren't tailor-made to do that. I would say it's to the point now where it wouldn't hurt to maybe start trying to put together an extension for Juju, see if we can't afford him going forward. I know this was a one-year prove-it deal to try and get other teams' attention, but I think he's got our attention. And so long as the price is right and it's a team-friendly deal, I'd be really interested in trying to keep Juju. Yeah, I mean, the only way that I would see we don't keep Juju is the following. Kadarius Tony becomes our wide receiver number one. All this hamstring stuff is BS, and he's actually the real deal. Again, in the two targets that we saw him, it was very good. His route running was amazing, and he actually had this great pancake block on Jeffrey Simmons as well. If you go to Twitter, you can see it. Um He's, uh, I mean, I don't want to go so far. I kind of joked on, on our fantasy, um, our fantasy text chain. I kind of joked. I was like, Hey, look, he, we have strides of Tyree kill. I was joking, but man, if we, (laughs) I mean, if we see like seven targets in one game and he gets like 120 yards with a couple touchdowns or even one touchdown, he may be the real deal. But anyway, uh, the reason why I bring that up, if he's the real deal, if Justin Ross is actually something, 
and Justin like actually comes back healthy and he's a real deal and we start to integrate Sky more more into this offense we might not need Juju but again all those things have to pan out and that's kind of rare so I think if we have the money which we do right now I don't mind signing Juju and hey it's a pretty freaking good wide receiving core if all those things happen yeah I agree I agree I was a little bummed for multiple reasons that we only saw Marquez Valdez Scantling for one reception this game I thought I felt like he was starting to kind of really because he's on your fantasy step team up into that well obviously because he's on my <laughs> fantasy team but also I felt like he was kind of stepping up into yeah, a, a big, take the top a off wide receiver week. two mm-hmm. yeah and that just wasn't the case this week luckily a bunch of other guys stepped up like McCall Hardman go figure yeah look at Noah that look at, yeah, look at him coming off of his his three touchdown game scoring a touchdown for us again yeah, I wonder if uh, McCall Hardman's going to get paid something like Christian Kirk where it's like Yeah, I think we could pay I for that. I think we're going to lose him. He's a great player, but he's not going to be worth what another like the Jaguars or the Colts or someone is going to be like, "I'll pay you this much." And that and and, and that's why the the Kadarius Tony trade is suspect for me because that says that Brett Veach is going to have to get rid of one of these guys, right? Juju is on a new contract and so is McCall one of these guys is probably going to have to go and it's probably going to be McColl uh, because he's doing so well this year. But hey, we've seen what he's doing on this offense and everything that he's doing is very scripted as opposed to like, whoa, that dude is built different. Like he's doing an incredible yeah. job, but those blocks that Andy Reid is is like designing for him are pure genius. Like he's, he's really doing a lot for McColl to be successful. Now again, McColl's great, but Uh, But there is a lot going on there. Okay, Reese, let's go ahead and take a quick break. We will uh, talk more football after the break. Reese has a great beer for us to review. A tasty sour, possibly, from one of our favorite breweries. Stay tuned. everyone's favorite time of the podcast that's right it's this week in craft beer the segment of our show where we talk about what's going on this week in craft beer and also review a delicious craft beer for your listening pleasure this week in celebration of armando coming back armando has a story about craft beer to share with us so i'm going to hand it over to you what word do you have to share with our news crew people <laughs> well news crew people i have a story for you <laughs> uh yeah, no, this actually, this this will flow well out of our hunt for Red Oktoberfest into the new season, just like Costco and Target and Walmart are starting their holiday deals. So is craft beer, Reese, and one of one of my favorite Christmas beers or winter holiday beers is Sierra Nevada Celebration Ale. And the Washington Post actually did a little write-up on them. Uh, I think it was when was it? This was last week they had written about it. So I was reading a little bit the other week, and I was like, I think this would be great to share with our audience because we have Sierra Nevada. We obviously know who Sierra Nevada is, and breweries are always trying to make like new beers to keep up with demands of this ever-changing market, but they also have their like standard beers. So it's very rare for a big craft beer to have a rotating beer or mm-hmm. a like specialty beer that has stood the test of time. And one of those is Celebration Ale. So Celebration Ale is a straight up West Coast IPA, but one of the characteristics of it is it does have this spicy floral flavor that a lot 
lot of other IPAs don't have, which kind of gives it that like cinnamon um, Christmas flavor to it. So Celebration Ale relies on a classic hop profile of Centennial, Chinook, and Cascade. It's mm. the malt built that makes it into that that crispy, um, sorry, not crispy, this cinnamony, like almost nutmeg um, IPA that you'll have that is unique that you don't really see a lot. So um, this is the 40th year that Sierra Nevada has it, and you can get it anywhere, I, I think. So if you don't have a, you know, like, for example, um, Odell has Isolation Ale. I know um, some others in Kansas City will also have a have a winter beer. But all of our all of our viewers, if you're in Iowa, if you're in Colorado, if you're in California, we can all share a nice celebration ale from Sierra Nevada to kick off the holiday season race. And it's like almost 7%. So have a couple of those and you'll have a good night. Dude, I'll drink to that. I'll tell you what. Celebration Ale, is that's a real one. I can't remember who gave me the first one. Maybe I got it from the Mystery Beer Machine at High Dive. Ooh. That's oh, possible. High Dive. Nice, dude. dude. I miss High Dive. Uh, and, like, <laughs> I think I think you and I went to, like, trivia. Like, I would never go to High Dive on my own. No offense, High Dive. But, like, look, I'm, I'm probably going to go to, like... I don't know, Anton's or, well, not yeah, Anton's, yeah, yeah. it's expensive. Although Anton's, I will say, has the, one of the best happy hours in Kansas City. But anyway, Anton? you know, like I'm, I'm not going to a dive bar on a Friday night. I'm going to go have fun somewhere. But yeah. I think I went with you and it was really fun. I had a couple mystery beers with you. Sounds about right. Sounds about right. Well, it's no mystery Man. that the you said there was uh, Chinook Hop in Celebration Ale. Yep. Uh-huh. Dude. Chinook hop is built different. People fear Chinook hop. That's the piney, delicious, old school taste that makes your IPAs great. So go out there and I dare you to find a beer with Chinook hop because your life will be changed yeah. forever. Totally. Classic hop. And I actually, I, I didn't mention this, but the, the Sierra Nevada team goes to the, uh, the uh, Yakima Valley. That's where oh, the yeah. Yakima hops are. And mm -hmm. they spend a whole month there going through all the different hops and making sure that they get like, not only do you get Chinook hops, but you have to get like the right Chinook hops to really make a great beer. So you yeah, Sierra Nevada doing it right. There's no point on sitting on this idea because it's eventually going to happen whether or not I say it. So I either get to say it now and oh, have it come to Steve, fruition. And Steve be Jobs Talbot. Let's hear it. So I'm saying Netflix needs to do a documentary on what goes into master brewers going out to the Yakima Valley and places like that and collecting the hops. Like oh, yeah, said, totally. It's not just skipping out there like going blueberry picking up at, you know, Knott's Berry Farm, man. No, we're talking straight up. It's, you know, you got to go, you got to like listen to the hops, you got to feel the hops, smell the hops, check the soil, check the pH level, there's a ton of stuff that goes on here, it's a spiritual journey. And also, like going even further, I know I've talked about how I love the New Zealand hop, or sorry, yeah, the New Zealand the hops. Yeah. What is what is the one New Zealand hop? Sorry, I have baby brain, so I can just blame it for everything. What's the one hop I love? Nelson. Nelson, yep. Nelson, Nelson hop. Keep it in there because I have baby brains. So everyone's like, oh, poor Armando. He has baby brain. Um, yeah. So like even there, the, it's so rare, like getting to go to New Zealand and getting like access to those hops. I bet that's a whole other documentary on its own trying to like really capture those. Because if you because like making those beers are relatively easy if you're a brewer. But uh, uh, but getting enough of them is the journey. So oh, yeah, that'd be a really fun. Maybe you and I can do a documentary next year. We'll we'll go out with some brewers to New Zealand. We'll make it happen after we do our famous 
Kansas City draft 2023 documentary. That's right. And yeah. uh, GABF the next year. So yeah, we have we have a lot to do. Patreon, send us some money. Anyway, exactly. Reese. Speaking about money, let's hear a money beer review from Reese. Reese, what are you going to review for us today? Well, I hope you all like cash money because that's the beer I have in my hand. Uh, bam, 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 top, bam. From Topping Goliath Brewing Company, uh, they're making some of the best beers on the planet right now. And uh, one thing they do is their Fandango series, which is generally Ooh. kettle sours. So now patron zero, Jordan Bachman, huge friend of the podcast, when he came yeah, and visited up. in uh, July, he brought down a bunch of Iowa stuff with him, including a variety of Fandangos from Toppling G. He brought back uh, Dragon Fandango, which is uh, one of their legendary ones you can find everywhere, uh, mm-hmm. Strawberry Shortcake Fandango, but also Berry Patch Fandango. So that is what I have in my hand today is Berry Patch Fandango. It's a kettle sour beer with blueberries, mulberries, raspberries, and raspberry flavor. Where did you find mulberries? I think, aren't mulberries like a ditch berry, basically? Like I, th- I think they but legit. What even are. is it? Remember, I'm I'm from Arizona. I don't even know where berries come from. What is a ditch berry? Uh, I mean, I mean, like like a berry, like literally a berry that grows in a ditch. It's like you know, it's really? it's it's trash berries, but they exist. Hold on, uh, Morris. I just Alba. never hear about it in this in this in the kettle sours. I've never heard mulberry before, so I'm just curious if it's native to Decora or for from Iowa. Hmm, this is interesting. Uh, description, taxonomy, toxicity. Ooh, that's fun. Mm. Uh, medicinal. Huh. I'll, I'll do some research and see where you find mulberries. I know there's the Dr. Got Seuss it. book, and to think that I saw it on Mulberry Street. but Yeah, I was going to say, it's got to be a nursery rhyme, too, and I have to know all about nursery rhymes. Um, yeah. As Reese looks that up, and as he um, opens up that beer, we rate our beers with a few categories. For a few categories is kind of what I want to say, I think. The first one is aroma, then it's appearance, then it's flavor, mouthfeel, aftertaste, and then our ever-changing category, stonks drinkability quotient. Just how awesome is this beer? Stonks up, stonks down, stonks neutral. So we also rate these beers from zero to 10, and we also use a Dewey Decimal System. So, oh, look at how thick that is. What in the world? It's a thick boy, dude. It's been cultivating Holy all those- Holy moly, uh, and look at, look at that carb. Yeah, all those yeast strains, man, been bubbling, bubbling, bubbling in here. That is wild. Okay, Reese, um, oh, actually, tell us about the can art, because the can art is actually pretty cool. Yeah, so it's a it's a holographic purple label with just giant blueberries, raspberries, and mulberries on there. So it's very nice, very attractive. That's I mean, cool. I I love their font. I, I don't know what their font oh, is, but oh, it, yeah. it's always really it's solid. They got great branding. Toppling G's doing a lot of stuff right. We're gonna go there one day, Armando. We are. Let's do it. That's cool. We'll add it to the list of things we have to do. You hear that, Patreon? Help us out. Anyway, Reese, tell us what the aroma is on that beer. Oh baby, it smells like uh, it smells like the adult version of those like Welch's berry fruit snacks. Mm. <laughs> Very sweet. Uh, yeah, it's it's like uh, just because I don't know what. Well, a whole lot of raspberry in there. Whole lot of raspberry. Yeah, I'll say it's predominantly raspberry, even though the color of this beer is purple. More on that later. Uh, that being said. 
It smells delicious. I'm thirsty. I want to drink it. I'm going to give it a, an 8.9 on aroma. Ooh, 8.9. And if he's getting thirsty, we better hurry up so we can get to the flavor category. Reese, what is the appearance of that? You said purple, but it almost it almost looks black from here. I mean, that looks duke. It's it's the color of like blackberries, uh, which according to this can art look like mulberries. So maybe mulberries and black. Oh, wait, uh, yeah, maybe mulberries and blue like blackberries like in the same family. Uh, as you can see, it's got a huge head on it. Not to my pouring issue. The minute I cracked this open, the the foam was like. Um, but yeah, very huge foamy head to it. Uh, it's like the color of Ivan Ooze from the Power Rangers movie. Yes. <laughs> uh, a little bit of translucent if you hold up to the light. Otherwise, like Armando said, you cannot see through this. Uh, it looks pretty. A lot of carbonation. whole lot of carbonation that you can see going on in the glass. So it's effervescent looking. Uh, let's call this an 8.6. Ooh, 8.6. All right. Now we get to Reese's favorite category because he is thirsty. That is flavor. Do those schnozberries taste like schnozberries? Ooh, that's very good. It's definitely very tangy. Uh, yeah, tangy and sour in the way that like uh, too early picked berries are because you know like when berries ripen they get sweeter right so this tastes like green berries so to say you know kind of like it makes you pucker but in a fun way yeah that's really all i can say very tangy on the ends it's not a goza because i'm not getting any salt in there or anything um but yeah it just tastes like i'm drinking liquid berries let's give it a 9.0 9.0 straight up, and those are high marks for our boy, Referees. Or, sorry, Reese Incarnate Bach Lesnar. It's been so long. I guess you're both. <laughs> uh, we might talk about both later. We'll see. And then yeah. we have mouthfeel, Reese. How does that feel in your mouth? If it's tangy, is that kind of leaving that tangy feel in the tongue, or we got other flavors, other feelings going on? You know, uh, it's kind of a lighter-bodied beer to it. Not getting as much effervescent uh, fizz from the carbonation drinking as I thought I would, but it's very tangy. I mean, like the minute I even sip some like the head on this, it's just like tang. Uh, So, I mean, I like that. I like really tangy beers. I like sour stuff. You know me. Uh, Speaking of which, shout out to Rad Russian, uh, Alex Nikolenko's parents sending over a bottle of a, oh, it's a beer from Perennial. It's a big old 750 sour. I can't remember what it is. Ah, I'm a terrible friend. Anyway. I'll look it up and I'll report back next time. Um, but yeah, I would say mouthfeel on this probably 8.3. 8.3. We're staying in high remarks for our boys toppling Goliath. And then we have our penultimate category. We have aftertaste, Reese. So you have all that tanginess on the front. Do you get the same on the back end of the mouth or any new flavors that we have? on this sour um no i'd say this is consistent it it doesn't change i think mentally i really want there to be like a graham cracker back to it the way that some other uh, i've had like some pastry sours before or like for example like again toppling g doing that fresh batch s'mores last year uh you got the graham cracker and the vanilla on the back like i really wish it was like a graham cracker vanilla back to this but because it's consistent, it you know, I'm going to give it a 
Let's just give it a 8.5 for consistently after taste. <laughs> 8.5 for consistently aftertaste. We'll take it. And then our last category, Reese, that is Stonk's Drinkability Quotient. That means how awesome is this beer, Reese? How badass is this beer? How does it make you feel? Stonk's up on it or not? So uh, I did a little bit of research while I was reviewing the beer, and uh, apparently mulberries are native to North America, particularly the eastern United States, and thrive in deep, rich soils. And in their natural habitat, you'll find them growing along streams and bottomlands. Bottomlands being a hoity-toity way to say ditch berries or garbage hey, berries. Hey, <laughs> so garbage berries. I mean, you know, it's it's like it'd be like saying Reese grew up in a low-income area. It's like no, Reese is trash. You know, let's be nice, let's be real. Uh, I'm just kidding. I grew up in a wonderful <laughs> area with wonderful people, and I love them all. Um, it's true. He does love yeah. them all. He still talks to them. So um, en- enough about mulberries. This is a fun beer. Uh, I do wish there was a bit more to it than just being drinking pure berries, but drinking pure berries is fun because it's berry patch, not berry cobbler fandango. That being said, I know what Toplin Goliath is capable of, so I'm just like, oh, kick it up one extra notch because like one extra notch of kicking this up could put it in Mount Crushmore consideration. But alas, there was no 10 point awarded, so this unfortunately cannot be up for consideration. I'm interested to see what the other Fandango beers taste like in this series. I've heard fantastic things about the Dragon Fruit Fandango. So, Stonk's Drinkability Quotient on this, it's very good. It's very consistent. But like Patrick Mahomes, when you consistently put up greatness, sometimes people get a little bored with greatness. So, I'm just going to keep the Stonk's Drinkability Quotient of this beer at a 9. All right. I mean, a 9 is that if that's boring for you, then that I can't. Imagine what 10 would be then. Uh, oh, boring. <laughs> yeah. Lol. So, yeah. So, we have a great <laughs> beer review from Reese. Solid eights and some nines, which, again, very rare for our boy Reese. A great sour. Actually, uh, just looking at it and you describing it, we all know I'm not a big sour fan, but this is definitely something that I wish that I had in my hand right now. And I'm pr- I bet I could find it at the, at the liquor store, too, for my, for oh, yeah. my famous liquor store guy. Um, like great. Awesome. Thanks for the beer review, Reese. Stay tuned, ladies and gentlemen, as we will come back and talk more Chiefs and Titans. Stay tuned. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. We are back from a great beer review from Reese. Reese reviewed a tasty, tasty sour from one of our favorite breweries, Toppling Goliath. Again, Reese and I have to go to Decora at some point. Um, so Patreon fans, or if you're not a Patreon fan, go ahead and uh, give us a little money there so we can get some gas money to to drive on over to the good old Decora. Because Decora's four hours, five hours from Kansas City. Oh, dude, even farther. Decora's like... Really? Decora's almost, I think, 90 minutes north of where I'm from. Decora legitimately would rather be referred to as Southern Minnesota than Northern Iowa, if I had to guess. Yeah, it's. I, I would guess if we're driving from Kansas City, it's probably about six hours. Ooh, so a good a good full day trip. So we're going to need some of that gas money. So if you want us to go, we will be live on the ground. We'll review every beer you want us to review. We'll even send you some beer if, you, uh, if you're giving us a lot of money on Patreon. So anyway, consider that. Back on the back to the Chiefs, Reese. Um, I was very excited 
Actually, I was kind of, I was kind of, it was strange what happened, but I was also excited Mm -hmm. that we had traded Rashad Fenton. We didn't really get a lot back. And to me, that meant that there, there was something in Kansas City that we didn't see. There's something that Brett Veach and Andy Reid was seeing from these young guys that we didn't see. Uh, More particularly, Trent McDuffie. Like, if you get rid of Rashad Fenton for nothing, even though Rashad Fenton, we, we, you know, we're not high on Rashad Fenton, but he's a good depth piece, right? He's good to have on the depth chart. For us to get rid of him meant that they trust this young cornerback core, and we saw that today. Now, oh, crap, I just dropped my mic. Now, the Sam Esquire Juniors of the world are going to say, well, you played against Malik Willis. I mean, what? Who who cares? Trent McDuffie, you know, who cares about this dude? Trent McDuffie was targeted, I think, twice. Yep. Trent McDuffie in two games still has not allowed a one reception. Reese, did you did you think Malik Willis was like Joe Flacco worthy, where he just wasn't hitting his targets, or did we see actually some like good throws? from a young Malik Willis. No, we definitely saw some stuff from Malik Willis. He threw some great uh, back shoulder throws, some people particularly in that second quarter. Uh, You know, we saw a guy who I think throws a pretty decent ball. He's just going to have to work on timing and getting his touchdown. But, I mean, to your credit with Trent McDuffie, uh, there was one great throw in particular, I can't remember who it went to, that McDuffie had to lay out, and he broke that pass up. And, you know, Rashad Fenton, May have broken the pass up, but he would have tackled the receiver and gotten a pass interference call on him anyway. Yep. Yep. Yeah, I mean, Reese, I'm stonks super up on our two cornerbacks of the future, Trent McDuffie and Legereus Sneed. This was one of the big holes that we had for the Kansas City Chiefs, and I think those holes have been filled and proven because Malik Willis was making good throws. I'm sorry. The throws that I saw, it wasn't they weren't way off. Like they were really in the breadbasket, and some of them were like really difficult throws where I was like, okay, Malik Willis. I actually blame Mike Vrabel. Well, whoever their offensive I know Mike Vrabel doesn't call the plays, but I blame the Titans for not letting Malik Willis throw more Malik Willis only was able to throw for 16 attempts um, and not even broke 100 yards throwing in almost uh, four quarters and, and change right like I think they had an opportunity but Trent McDuffie and Legereus Sneed are that scary like they are that good Reese and they had Robert Woods on the field I know they don't have a lot going on for them on, on the offensive core but like there's still some people that could have made some plays and they did not and they didn't let him make those plays even when derrick henry was not getting it done we stopped the tennessee titans seven drives in a row in the second half like our defense figured out derrick henry it's still amazing derrick henry had an unbelievable first half he ended up with 115 yards with two touchdowns but if you saw that second half we stopped derrick henry reese yeah like we we did a very good job on him so it's I think it's the Titans' fault that Malik Willis did not cook more. He should have been throwing more because he's pretty good. But all to say, this is all coming back to our featured corners of the future, and I'm very excited for them. Trent McDuffie, LeJarius Sneed. Yeah, I think the last thing I'll add to that is just the fact that I think it was over the Titans' final 10 possessions. I think they gained, what was it, three first downs, and that was it. Jeez. There were no, no points put up. Uh, you know, honestly... I know a lot of people are saying, like, oh, the Chiefs didn't deserve to win that. The Chiefs, you know, won an ugly game, or they kind of got away with that. Nah, it was, it was, 
it was 17 to nine. It's not like it was 21 to three. And then suddenly, right. You know, we had, a, we had a fumble six followed by an interception touchdown, you know, five minutes gameplay later. No, it wasn't anything like that. You know, the outside of the second quarter, the Tennessee Titans didn't play all that well either. You know, let's just be yep. honest. They, they put up a goose egg in first quarter, th- uh, fourth quarter, and overtime. Only three points in the third quarter. They weren't dominating that game. I would say their defensive line was dominating that game, but the team as a whole, <laughs> no, not quite. Tell me, yep, I totally agree with you. And let's segue into our last segment. You just brought it up, Reese. Their defensive line was dominating that game, and it was dominating that game because of Orlando Brown Jr. and Andrew Wiley. Reese, we talked about panic meter of our offensive line last podcast that I was on, which is now almost two podcasts ago. Wow. Yeah. So I forgot what our panic meter was, but let's revisit it, Reese. Because is there any is there any option right now? Like like uh, the trade deadline's over. We might be able to get a veteran offensive lineman, but I mean, is that going to help us? So let's assume that in the playoffs, we still have OBJ and we still have Andrew Wiley. What is your panic meter now after this game? I mean, at the very least, we have to say at this point, it seems like every week we're playing the statistically best defensive line in the NFL. You know, we've seen... Which is crazy. We've seen just an unfair (laughs) amount of like elite edge rushers to this point. But to the same degree, the more there's film out there of OBJ and Andrew Wiley, the more they're getting manipulated and they're getting abused, and the line as a whole is beginning to suffer. Um, you know, I, I know we we got Lucas Niang back at practice, but he's coming off of a patella injury last year. So I think kind of, I mean, in a perfect world, Turns out Lucas Niang is a great NFL left tackle. We make OBJ play right tackle, which is where he should be playing to begin with. And they're both very average at their jobs there. But, you know, it's like I think in reality, Lucas Niang's probably going to come back and take that right tackle spot back from Andrew Wiley like he did at the start of last season. But, you know, even when Niang did play last year, there were a lot of growing pains. His rookie season, remember, he didn't play because of COVID. His sophomore season, he got injured halfway through. You know, it's like you can't you got to curb your enthusiasm for even Lucas Niang at this point, but he can't be worse than Wiley, right? I, I I don't trust Lucas Niang because we 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 can't trust his body right now, right? It's been three years in a row that something is wrong with Lucas Lucas Niang. He's no longer a rookie. Like this is his third year in the league, you know. And every year it's something. And the film that we do have on Lucas Niang. It's good, but it's not like Trent McDuffie good. It's not Legarius Sneed good. Not that Andrew Wiley is anything close to that. But maybe I would rather have an Andrew Wiley, even though you know he didn't play great today. He did play great a couple of weeks ago against a really awful de- or a really good defensive line. Um, so I might want an Andrew Wiley over a Lucas Niang just because I haven't seen Lucas Niang. If we see him these next weeks, Reese, even though we have an easy schedule, we got. The Jaguars next week. Who do they have? Josh Allen um, and the other Josh Allen, obviously. Yeah. Then we have the Chargers again. Like I said, Joey Bosa, Khalil Mack, still very good. Then we have the Rams, Aaron Donald, right? Like still very good defensive lines that we're going to be playing, even though overall they are bad teams. Um, so we're, you know, we're still going to be battle tested. And not that we're going to lose any of those games, but man, if, if, if Patrick Mahomes can't get the ball out, 
Like what, like what's the point? You know, Reese and I were joking after the game. I said, we're going to have to hire Mike D'Antoni to do <laughs> a seven seconds or less offense. But for Patrick, it's going to have to be a two second or left left. Sorry, two seconds or less offense yep. to get the ball off. Well, so here's one thing I wanted to dissect. I don't feel like I got talked about enough during the game. Uh, I'm just going to say this. Mike Vrabel is a bit of a scum suck. You know, uh, he's he's a bum, dude. You've seen it before. He has this irrational hatred towards the Chiefs. I think it was like last year or whatever. He chimed in on a call in one of our games, like at some interview. It's like, dude, you didn't even play us. It's a completely unrelated game. Why are you complaining about this? He hates the Chiefs for some reason. So going into this game, he gave his team the challenge. And he said, so here's how we're going to beat the Chiefs. Front four, I need you to abuse those offensive tackles. And I need you to get to Patrick Mahomes. You're going to get extra time because I'm telling the secondary and our linebackers, hold. They can't, the officials can't call everything. They can't catch everything. Just hold. Just hold. And how many times do you see it on replays of Travis Kelsey where he's like straight up getting... At least at least six times in that first half. Dude, he's got... He's got linebackers putting their hands in his pockets like a really awkward prom photo, man. I mean, I'm going to call some <laughs> other ones, too. I can't remember the specific play this was on. I think it was one of the two-point conversion attempts. Uh, but McCole Hardman straight up got tackled from behind, you know, running his oh, route. Right. And they, they called it. They at least called that one, but still. Exactly. And then on a different one, they didn't call this on Trav. The announcers made it. Uh, they mentioned, uh, they're like, I, I think it was when Mahomes took the touchdown in or something like that. But uh, they're like, well, he's looking for Travis Kelsey here. And, you know, Kelsey, again, got, like, brought down from behind in the middle of his route. <laughs> and I'm just like, is this something I didn't realize? Like, I'm honestly asking, like, are, are you legally allowed to just, like, tackle dudes from behind in their route so long as the ball's not coming their way? Is that something I didn't know? Because it was happening all game. Well, I think just just like you said, Vrabel knows that the refs cannot call holding on every single play. So he's saying, hey, we're probably going to get it once or twice, and that's fine. He was like, let's go ahead and do it just so we can make Kelsey a non-factor. Unfortunately, Vrabel, look what happened. Kelsey still becomes a factor. He still finds a way because like the balance that that guy has is extraordinary. You can do anything that you want. He's still going to find a way to get out of the route and to, get, and to find some green. Well, and, you know, I know people be like, oh, you just complain about the refs. You always complain about the refs. But here's the thing. when it, No, but we have proof. We have video. Go on Twitter. Watch the video. Well, and when it came down to the two-point conversion, the fact that we got three bites of that apple is because when suddenly when the field is condensed to about 12 yards worth of play and the officials can see everything Good that's point. going on in the secondary, they're like, oh, that's a foul. Oh, that's a foul. Oh, that's a foul. You couldn't get away with it when they could see everything going on. Now, I, yeah. I will have to give Vrabel credit on this. Uh, he did do a very good job up until the fourth quarter keeping Mahomes contained. He did a good job keeping a spy on him. The kind of stunt blitzes he was bringing on Mahomes kept him from like being able to scoot through the pocket and run, which you could tell a lot mm -hmm. of times Mahomes didn't want to, and subsequently he got sacked. So when he busted himself out in the fourth quarter, congratulations. Now, part of the reason he was able to get all that pressure on Mahomes at the front four is the fact that he was getting coverage sacks. By which coverage sacks, I mean, again, the the secondary holding our receivers and Travis Kelsey until the defensive front four could get home on Patrick. 
Yeah, yeah. We 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 did have a comment on the chat. They were saying, "Well, this is Patrick's fault. Patrick needs to needs to let the ball go." Again, how are you going to let the ball go when everybody's when everyone's holding? Yep. Right? Like like there is literally no one down the field because they 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 get to play man or they know where Patrick Mahomes wants to throw and they'll hold Kelsey, they'll hold Juju, they'll hold MVS. So like things like that are going to happen, unfortunately. And like kind of going back to my original point, Reese, I'm going to talk about my panic meter because of all those things and people can do those things my panic meter is probably at like a 6.5 right now almost a seven um because this is a liability when we play the ravens when we play even i'm gonna bring up the jets again because i watched the entirety of that new york jets bills game and i'm i'm sorry like that new york jets defense is good even though josh allen is is not throwing well he has that ucl injury that's a very good defense and that team can make it into the playoffs and if we play them we're gonna have trouble with that defensive line i'm sorry well so here's one difference though is that robert sala runs a really clean ship and he has a really well disciplined defense uh dude again mike vrabel had to have told his team before the game this is going to be a bat game, not unlike when we played Downing the Vikings yep. a few years ago. Because how many times were guys going in a little bit low on Mahomes' knees? How many times were guys just getting dragged down? How many times was Mahomes, you know, uh, what do you want to call it, in the grasp or whatever, and the, the refs are blowing the whistle, you know, and the guy drags Mahomes down still and wrestles him to the ground and throws him down and he gets back up? Or after the first touchdown to McCole Hardman when Simmons runs over and headbutts Mahomes to jaw in his face for no reason, even though he's seven yards downfield from him? Dude, I know this for... I can't say this for a fact. This is probably libel. <laughs> Whatever. Whatever. But, like, Mike Vrabel probably showed him footage of, like, the Aaron Rodgers-Anthony Barr injury, which can you can you picture that play? Yeah, is it against the Vikings. Yeah, against the Vikings, the one where like Rodgers gets hit just a second late, you know, probably just enough to knock oh, yeah, him down. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Maybe, maybe see if it gives him a stinger, breaks his collarbone. Mike Vrabel had to have told this team, yeah, just just wrestle him just a little more, you know. Like if if he's getting rid of it, take take that extra half step and see if he can get away with that pi. See if maybe you know you can give him a stinger on his shoulder or something like that. Nah, dude, this was it was a low class game. It was like. Jordan rules Pistons without just focusing on one player. It's like focusing on the entire team. It was garbage. Yeah, but like what's what's funny is if we would have blown them out, I would have said to start the podcast, why are we even bickering with the Tennessee Titans? Like they're the worst five and two team I've ever seen. Offensively, they are the worst five and two team I've ever seen if they don't let Malik Willis throw. Um, but they for some reason Jeffrey Simmons a guy who is good but like we proved he ain't great Mm -mm. like he's able to get under our skin and like you said that must have been a tactic like like it is it is not coincidence that Jeffrey Simmons had the gall during the week to say that this offensive line is not any better than they were last year or two years ago we've seen them we can defeat them I'm sure Vrabel like you said was encouraging their players to start talking crap on on the radio on interviews because they they want that that's the only advantage that you can have like you said if we're in a Pistons Bulls era the only way you can beat Jordan is if you rough up Jordan and I think you're right Vrabel said hey the only way we can beat Patrick Mahomes rough him up a little bit the only way we, we can beat Kelsey hold him the only way we can beat Juju hold him and like yeah didn't work 
I never liked Vrabel when he was on the Patriots, and I don't like him now. Well, and, and Vrabel has history on the Chiefs, so I don't get even why Tom he Brady hates doesn't so like Vrabel. Yeah, yeah. Tom Brady doesn't even like Vrabel, and they were teammates. No one likes Vrabel. Uh, you know, I, I think I wonder if getting blown out by the Bills changed his defensive philosophy at that point, where he's like, if you can't beat him, physically beat him. You know, because like the Bills dropped what, like a forty burger on him or something like that, and it's kind of yeah. kind of the mm-hmm. same way that we were picking him apart. And he's just like, you know what, screw it, just just take him out, tackle him, just don't let him get behind you, whatever it takes. You know, I don't know, man. Yeah, but I mean, the, he he is he is good with his defensive schemes. Like I will say, they were switching out the um, their interior tackles to the edges, which was working because they were exposing our guys. But yeah, crazy guy. Got to figure out that offense. I mean, you can't just run with Malik Willis all the time. Like, I think Malik Willis does have a future in this league. You just got to let him throw. So it's an, it's an interesting team going forward. But yeah, screw that, man. All right. Any other things before we leave the podcast, Reese? We're going to play the uh, the Jacksonville Jaguars next. Are they still Jacksonville? Yeah, I think so. We're playing Jacksonville next week. What? Uh, wrap up the Titans if you want, and then tell us a little preview of the uh, the Jaguars score what what score do you got I'd say watch out for the Jaguars this uh, has trap game written all over it you just came out of this you know 15 round bout with the Titans you've got a flex Sunday night primetime game with the Chargers that are somehow only one game behind you do not sleep on Jacksonville because we can't afford to go into the Chargers game with the same record as the Chargers otherwise suddenly this division gets very very out of hand um I mean, they got Eric Ebram, you know, so you got to watch out for him, obviously. Uh, but <laughs> Evan, <laughs> see if you're paying attention. No, I'm, I'm going to guess. got his name wrong. <laughs> the AFC South always plays us weird. Peterson is a Reed disciple, and Reed usually does pretty good against his former disciples. I would like to believe we can drop 40 points on this Jaguars team and uh, maybe have Chad Henney in by the very end of the game, but. Uh, I can see another sloppy, sloppy slop fest here. Uh, let's say it's going to be 29 to 24 Chiefs. 29 to 24. Actually, I like that. I like that score. Um, yeah, I, I, I agree with you. I think we should be respecting this Jaguars team. If you look at some of the losses they've had, they only lost by one possession to the Eagles. Um, they only lost to one score against the Texans, the Colts, like very, very close games that they're playing and a pretty definitive win against the chargers in week three, like 38 to 10, I mean, pretty freaking good. I think now with James Robinson, God and Travis Etienne's really embracing this cowbell role, um, with the Jacksonville Jaguars. And even though we're not buying stock in Trevor Lawrence, they are figuring out with Trevor Lawrence and Christian Kirk. I mean, I think Christian Kirk has a really good relationship with Trevor Lawrence and like they're figuring out that offense. So again if like if we can't stop the running game and then they're able to throw it above us with christian kirk like this could be a random you know a random loss if we're not on our heels but the defense in the second half looked good and i'm just gonna ride on those coattails i love the cornerbacks uh finally the the defensive line when it matters most chris jones turns it on and let's hope he always turns it on so how about let's do um this defense actually has been pretty. Uh, they, they've been pretty good. So how about twenty-eight to seventeen, Chiefs? All right, cool. I like it. 
All right, ladies and gentlemen, thanks for listening. This was a long one today, but again, they're celebrating the birth of my child, um, little Theodore, little uh, Hot Take Mato Jr., I guess we can call him on the podcast. But uh, yeah, what a fun time. What, what a fun time to be alive. What a fun time to be a Chiefs fan as well. Man, we love Patrick Mahomes. Patrick Mahomes is great. We love Spags now, Spags figuring it out, and obviously we love that Andy Reid, that big red. So stay tuned, ladies and gentlemen, for, for more fun podcasts. This was Found City Sports Media. Peace out. We'd like to thank you for joining us today on Fountain City Sports Media. This podcast is brought to you by listener support, so consider becoming a friend of the podcast. Check out our Patreon page at patreon.com backslash FCSM to get access to premium content, including bonus episodes, exclusive beer reviews, and Speedy and Angry, our latest 10-part miniseries into the Fast and Furious franchise. Check us out on social media at Fountain City SM for info on the podcast, memes, and of course, the goings-on in the beer industry. Special thanks to bands Carswell and Hope and Like a Tiger for performing our intro and outro themes. And as always, I'm Reese and alongside my good friend Armando, we thank you for tuning in to Fountain City Sports Media. Thank you.